Hi, this is Elliot Fishman, and welcome back to part two of uh, Dual Energy Imaging. And we've previously written about how important a CT angiography is in the trauma patient. We've published articles in the lower extremity and emergency radiology. It's another article by Fritz coming out on about the upper extremity. And here's just a nice example of a patient with trauma to the knee, and there was a question of vascular injury. And you can see from the axial images, or even from the 3Ds with MIP, you can get a pretty good look at the vessels, but the bone's in the way. Yes, you can do traditional bone removal, but now what we do is routinely use dual energy. And here, very nicely, you can see the SFA, the popliteal, the trifurcation vessels, and there is no vascular injury present. Or in this patient, and here you see an example of trauma. And you can see we can get a good look using volume rendering at the popliteal to trifurcation. But again, what you'd like to do is basically remove the bony structures, which will give you a better look. It's not just in patients where you're looking for vascular injury and bony injury and their relationship, but it's often when you're looking at the soft tissue. So here's a patient with a gunshot wound. You can see the air in the soft tissue and muscle. And the question is, what about the popliteal artery? And in fact, in many of the cases like this one, the sagittal view works very nicely. I go from the sagittal to the MIP, and you can see in the distal SFA as well as popliteal, there's marked narrowing present. There's no contrast extravasation, but because of the bullet, and you can see the fragments, the patient undoubtedly has spasm present, but the vessel is patent. But with bone removal, you have an even better look. Now it's important to rotate the images because the relationship of the bullet fragments, the vessel can be confused, but by rotating, you really get a good look and the vessel is patent. Here's another patient. You can see when you look at the bony images, common with fracture of the tibial plateau, the femur has slammed into it. But what about the vessels? Well, you can see this patient, when you look at the soft tissue as a lipohemarthrosis, supertelebursa, the soft tissue swelling, but again, what about the vessels? Well, you can look at things axially and follow the vessels, or you can do it with a 3D map. Now, the one thing you'll notice when we do with a 3D map is this early filling of the venous structures. Now, you could do it this way, and here I'm just simply rotating the images, changing from MIP to volume rendering, and I do have a good look at that uh, AV fistula, which is occurring by the popliteal, but what you really would like to do would be to take that bone away. Now, one of the things with volume rendering is you can adjust the uh, lookup tables, and you can see this is the same image. I've just changed the lookup tables, and in the left image, you can see the AV fistula with early filling of the popliteal vein, and in the image on your right, you don't see the vessel. That's one of the things with volume rendering. We have lots of flexibility, but you also can induce errors potentially. But here's that same case, dual energy, bone removal. Look how nicely you see the uh, bone removal, as well as seeing the AV fistula, volume rendering and MIP. And here it is, another set of images. So again, the ability to rotate the images. With dual energy, most people are typically using MIP-type imaging. Kind of looks like a classic angiogram. Very nice visualization in this case. Another patient. This patient had trauma to the thigh. There was a question of bleed. You can see on the axial and coronal images, there's a bleed in the thigh. There's a large hematoma lateral portion of the right thigh. So now we'll go and we'll do the CT angiograph and portion of the exam. Again, we thought in advance, so this was not two studies. We do the uh, IV contrast, and you can see very subtle, perhaps 
Is there a bleed in the thigh? Well, here's dual energy. We've now taken the bone away. And you can see on the right, the bleed is easier to see. We can change the images from volume rendering to straightforward coronal to MIP and volume rendering. And you can see the very subtle bleed on branches off the SFA in this case. And again, here's a few more views of that. Now, one thing many people do like, and at times I do find helpful, is if you change the lookup tables and reverse the lookup tables, you have this negative display where the vessels are dark against a, uh, a low-density background. And many people do like this display for doing angiography. And you can see it very nicely in this example. Another patient. This patient had a prior history of trauma. You can see hardware in place, question of vascular injury. Here's the volume rendered views without bone removal. And here we've taken the bone away with dual energy. Now, dual energy, there are other techniques that allow you to decrease metal artifact. This seemed to work okay in this case, but there are better ways of even decreasing the artifact more. And you can see it both with positive and negative displays, very nicely showing you the trifurcation vessels on the right, and some flow particularly through the posterior tibial artery on the left. And again, here's a few more images. And again, you can see one of the nice things is we can target the images. We can really show the branching of the vessels. Again, none of that artifact that may happen when you do single energy with poor bone removal and none of the artifacts that can be problematic. And again, I'm just showing you the same case as we travel downward. Very nice definition, uh, even with the artifact in place. And again, look how nicely you see the lower runoffs. Now, another important application is in the head and neck area, and that's carotid imaging. Uh, Threshold-based bone subtraction is exceedingly difficult. People used to do two mass. We subtract one mass from the other, one with contrast, one without. But dual energy is so much better. Uh, here's an article by POSMA, the combination of low radiation dose and advantageous spectral information from these data sets justifies broad clinical implementation of dual energy CT and neuroradiology. He also makes the point that bone removal with dual energy CTA is easier and faster, allowing faster post-processing. Removal of bone at skull base remains a matter of concern, but development of better reconstruction algorithms and dual energy may offer a solution. Vallejhouse very similarly talks about cervical CT angiography, that it's substantially better than classically, from a technical perspective, 88 versus 7%. Threshold-based bone subtraction, he says, was inferior with predominantly due to the residual bone, vessel truncations, and poor vessel delineations. So again, bottom line is classic technique is no good. So here's a classic example. CTA, got the carotids, I want to remove the bone. But look at the errors. Now I could go in and you can see I'm trying to fix some of the errors, but it's very time consuming, it's very difficult, and at some point you give up, and that's how the CT angiogram looks. Are there multiple lesions present or this artifact? And you know it's artifact, okay? But now look with dual energy. Look how nicely you can see the carotids, internal and external and the intracranial circulation. And here it is from another perspective, from the sagittal perspective. You see all the vessels with none of the problems. And here are the two images side by side. Just look how the difference is between the single energy and the dual energy. Very, very impressive. Another example, CTA carotids, dual energy imaging. Here's without the bone removal. And you can see the vessels pretty nicely. 
But again, you want to see it without the bone. You want to see the base of the skull. You want to see the carotids. And there it is with dual energy. And of course, you could rotate these images around and get a really good look at the vessels. The same issue is true in the circle of Willis. Again, here I'm trying to remove the circle of Willis against the bony structures at the base of the skull. I can do a reasonable job, but not a great job. And again, you could induce many different errors. Same case, dual energy. It takes a second to do, or a few seconds. None of the tedious work of five to 20 minutes of editing. And look how nicely you can see the vascular map. And again, here is the same case, side by side, dual energy versus single energy. And look how much better the dual energy is. And the dual energy can be used also for venous imaging. In this case, we can show you also beyond the circle of Willis, very nice vascular mapping. Now, is there a problem with dual energy? Is it perfect? Well, I showed you before in the aortic bifurcation with very dense calcifications, you can have a problem. Well, there is another issue with carotid and circle of Willis imaging. Remember, you have contrast coming in the axillary vein, which is very dense, and that can cause artifact. So in this case, you wonder if there's perhaps an occlusion of the right carotid, right? You see that defect there and two views, and what's going on here? Well, really what's going on is the very dense contrast in the uh, vessel coming from the subclavian and axillary is causing this beam-hardening artifact. And I'll show it to you a bit better. And it's not just here. You also can see within the internal carotids in the base of the skull some dropout. And again, this issue can occur in other cases, but it's particularly due to the high-density contrast artifact. Now, you can say is, how do I know that's the case? Maybe it's really an occlusion. Well, here I did it the classic way, and look how nicely you can see the vessel opacified. And the reason the problem occurred is, look at the axial images. You see the bright contrast, and you see the beam-hardening artifact. So again, you want to be very careful. Source images are very important. One thing you can do is use less dense contrast. Another thing you can do is mix contrast with saline. Another thing you can do is wait a bit longer, but then waiting longer, you get venous contamination. So diluting is the best way of doing things. And you can see in this case, I was able to get around it when I did the bone removal myself and fix the images. But again, that is a potential pitfall. Now I mentioned about Circle of Willis, and here's just a nice example of a cerebral artery aneurysm with the skull and without the skull and through various projections. Now what else? What else can we talk about with dual energy? Well, I mentioned before about radiation dose. Perhaps you can do virtual non-contrast studies. If you're doing a stent follow-up, can you do a virtual non-contrast? And so you wouldn't need to do the non-contrast. That's an interesting thing. And again, we talked before about lower contrast volumes because we can do, for example, 70 kVp monochromatic energy levels. Will that work? A couple articles. This is a group at NYU led by Dave Nadich talking about the virtual contrast images are noisier, but they felt that they were reasonable. In the thoracic vascular imaging protocol, they felt they can use lower KVP, lower contrast volumes, and slower delivery, and still get better vessel attenuation. So again, it does have tremendous potential. Uh, this article by Yoon made the point that image reconstruction at lower energy levels, like 50 keV, allows for a 50% reduction in iodine load. 
while maintaining signal intensity and diagnostic imaging quality. Now, again, not every scanner can go to 50 keV, but the new scanners will be able to, and I think we'll have more flexibility. Now, what you can do, of course, is create virtual monochromatic energy levels, and so there's something you can do on most of the dual energy systems. Now, let me conclude, or at least finish up, perhaps, with some other applications. We're doing hand transplants at Hopkins, arms above the head in this case. They wanted a vascular map. Very difficult to really get a good look with bone subtraction. It's hard, large areas to cover. But look how nicely I can do with dual energy. Look at the left extremity. You can see from the axillary to the brachial to the radial and ulnar arteries to the uh, arteries in the hand. And look on the right side, you can see the vessels that remain in terms of the brachial artery. So we're able to adjust the images, and you can see here with the negative display. Or in this case, of a patient with an IV drug abuse history who had a swollen area near the wrist that was pulsating. And you can see when you look carefully, there's a, a pseudoaneurysm of the radial artery. Here's the volume rendered views. You can see the bump and the pseudoaneurysm and I can play with it a little bit more in the volume rendering. But look what happens when I do the dual energy. I take the bone away. Now look how nicely you can see the uh, pseudoaneurysm of the radial artery. And again, here it is in a few different perspectives. Now what about dual energy? In terms of issues, well, you need a newer scanner. There's higher machine costs, I think, in the future. Most machines will have dual energy, but that's not going to be the low-level scanners. It's new technology, so there's not a whole lot of articles about it. You're really, in a sense, thinking about what can be done. But the articles that have come out are very positive, and I think you will see more articles in the near term. Um, it does not replace bone uh, editing or looking at the original data sets. Remember, as I showed you, you can over-edit with dual energy and remove structures that should not be removed. So you're always going to have to look at the, the original data sets and always be careful. But in general, it's going to do a far better job for select applications than single energy imaging. So concluding then, dual energy provides an ideal study protocol for imaging vascular anatomy, especially in anatomic zones where bone removal is critical. Think base of skull, think carotid arteries, think runoff studies. The study combines dose-efficient imaging with decrease in post-processing time and potentially more accurate studies. So with that, that was my two-part talk about dual energy. We will be back this year or next year, 2014, which will probably be when this lecture is presented, to look at many new applications, whether it's looking at tumor imaging, whether it's looking at response to therapy. I think dual energy is here to stay, and it's only going to get better in the future. And with that, 